tips to help you raise money smart kids this week on seven figures i am sandy waters each week we have money conversations that help women like you feel comfortable and confident about your finances we tap into financially savvy people and we learn from them what do they know that we should know the goal each week is to walk away with little nuggets of financial knowledge that you can put into action today that will make you feel more in control of your financial future and as a bonus be a good financial role model for your kids because that right there is the scary thought isn't it are you a good financial role model right now I like to think I am. I mean, I talk about money all the time with my two daughters, but are they really learning the valuable lessons that I'm trying to teach them? When it comes to parenting, we have got to lean on each other. So I found the perfect expert this week, a fellow mom, host of the So Money podcast. Her resume is incredible. She has written several financial books, hosted a primetime series on CNBC. You may have seen her giving financial advice on Good Morning America, The View, Farnoosh, to Robbie, thank you for helping us out with this today. Thank you for having me, Sandy. I'm excited to chat with you and, and get to talk money. Yes. Favorite topic. I feel like we need to start, and I think you're going to agree with um, a very important question, the most important question. And that is what can we do to help you get on Dancing with the Stars? Uh, <laughs> you have to make me slightly famous, but not too famous, right? I need to have a, a, maybe some sort of uh, fallout with Hollywood. And okay. I need a, basically, I need a comeback story. If there's a petition or something we can sign, we will we will be right there behind <laughs> you. Know you. What? You're not the first one to suggest this, so I might actually get going on that. <laughs> so funny. I've heard it. Uh, you mentioned it a couple times on your podcast before, how you just have this obsession with Dancing with the Stars. I do, and I, I don't get to watch it as much as I used to now with two kids, but I just love, I get so, I, one of the few shows, that when I do watch, I just, I jump out of my seat. Like, I get so excited. I'm, I go through all the emotions. <laughs> I cry. I laugh. I, so, oh my God, I also you're so think funny. that um, it's a great way to get in shape. <laughs> True. Which is really hard when you're trying to bounce back from a couple babies. Exactly. That was, it was, ideally it would have been my post-pregnancy workout plan, but I didn't have my act together yet yeah. to be able to qualify. So. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about raising money smart kids now. You have a one and four year old, right? Yeah. They're so cute, by the way. I just love kids. But, Thank you. <laughs> um, so you're probably now starting to think about this. Okay, what what lessons do I teach my kids? How much should you talk about money with your kids? Can you let us know the approach that, that you're thinking about? Sure. Well, I'll give you an example. Just the other day, I took my son, Evan, who's four, grocery shopping, and he saw me open the fridge with a pen and paper in hand because I wanted to make, make notes of, you know, what we have, what we didn't have, what were we short on. And he got curious. And he was like, Mommy, what are you doing? Can I make a list? And he didn't really know what it was about. But I said, sure. So he got a pen and paper out. And I said, all right, Evan, write this down. He's not really writing yet, but he was scribbling. Yeah. I was like, okay, write down milk, strawberries, eggs, bread. And then occasionally he'd be like, well, we already, we have bread, mom. We don't need more bread. You know, so he was understanding that, like, there is such a thing as buying an excess and mm. he's only four. And so this is just a, a, 
something that I decided to engage him with, and it's not really sitting down and talking about compound interest or anything sophisticated, but I think that if to the extent that you can create these kinds of experiences with your kids, I also, the week before that, we, he and I, and I posted it on Instagram, Evan and I went to the grocery store to mainly just drop off coins, mm-hmm. and he saw... He sees that we have this coin jar in the living room that we collect pennies and quarters and dimes. And so I think that through that alone, he's learning that money is something that you keep and you hold on to and you save and that you can also then, you know, redeem it. And, um, you know, he saw that it ended up being like $240, which maybe he didn't even get that much that far into it. It might have gotten too abstract at that point for him. But it's the sort of thing that if we do it enough, it becomes a touchstone in his childhood that, you know, I think uh, it, it's creating layers of, of, of a foundation for, for him of like what, what money is, what, what, how we value money. And as he gets older and as my daughter gets older, you know, we'll, they'll be hopefully more open and prepared for like the bigger talks. And I've recently come to this uh, theory that, Financial literacy really is not about learning about what a stock is and what a bond is. I mean, that's part of it. But but we are all learning about money as we grow through the ages based on the relationships that we have, the experiences that we experience, the things that we witness. You know, if your parents fight about money, there is a financial there's a financial lesson there for you that you're having that you may not be um really referencing until later on in life, the importance of that, but it's impacting you that every time you go to school and you see other kids, what they're wearing and how the the vacations they took and you're comparing that to your life like that, those are all financial perspectives that we're getting throughout life. And I think that those are all worth observing closely and hanging on to those memories because as we get older, it's what basically creates the, those are all the reference points that we have for the reasons why we save the way we do or save or spend or invest or not save, spend, invest. So I think that the advice for parents is that it's don't put the pressure on yourself to feel like you have to kind of be this, um, incredible financial teacher to your kids that you think it's like getting up and talking to your kids about what investing is and compound interest and saving. Look, if your kid is interested, that's great, but there's more to it than that, right? It's about showing your kids what you value, how you make trade-offs, the decisions that you make about money involve that. You know, my mom would take me when I was growing up to the department store and she would uh, be paying off her credit card at the department store. This is way back in the 80s. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Online bill pay. Yeah, that in layaway. My mom would always. For layaway. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. So she she brought me probably not thinking it was going to turn into a conversation. But I would ask, like, what's going on? Because I was bored, you know. <laughs> I wanted to get back to the store and, like, look at merchandise. Could we speed this up? And she would explain, well, remember last time we were here and we bought all that, all the school clothes or whatever? Well, now I'm paying for it. We basically, the store gave us all that stuff, and now we owe the money. And they usually give you, a, like, a month to pay it back, and now I'm here with the money to pay it back. I was like, oh, okay. So like, what, and see, here's the bill that they sent me. 
So were your parents financially savvy or did they have a good control over their finances? So you had good role models growing up or? Yeah. Okay. They weren't um, They, you know, what's fascinating is that I got a chance to really see my parents through all of the economic growth that they, that we went through. So when I was born, my parents were very young. My dad was still in graduate school. My mother was 19. So um, how financially capable were you at 19? Mm, that's true. I was not to be trusted with money at 19, um, <laughs> let alone raise a child. So they were, I mean, but also I feel like 40 years ago, but, you know. It was different. 29 is yeah. 19. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My mom was wiser beyond her age, at least for a typical 19-year-old today, I think. So that said, I, I think I got a really awesome vantage point because I got to see my parents really build their financial lives. It wasn't like, you know, I arrived in the once they were already financially settled. Mm. I got to see how they really scraped by during my elementary school years. And we had used cars and we lived in small homes and, you know, didn't go out to eat and all of that. And then finally, once my dad, you know, would get promoted and my mother would start working and we built our first home, which was a really big deal, you know, in a nice neighborhood with a good school system. That was like the American dream was made at that point, 1992. And, but then, you know, they were, my, my parents are very ambitious. Like they continued to work hard. It wasn't like, okay, we made it nice. Let's put a, put a hat on it. Like they continued to achieve more and more and more because they, just wanted to, uh, they're hard workers and they really know how you can leverage money to build a quality life. Um, I think we, I learned that from my parents is like, you can't have everything, uh, but you should have a basic understanding of what is important to you and prioritize your money in that way. So what was important to us was family and spending time with family. If it Mm. meant traveling across the country to do that or traveling. My parents would travel back to Iran. Mm-hmm. That's expensive, you know, and that's a trip that makes it so I can't go to camp that summer. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. trade offs like that. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So you and I were both very fortunate where we were able to learn those lessons about trade offs and, you know, resisting the temptation. But what if you're a parent right now and You can admit that you are not the best financial role model. You're struggling yourself and it's hard for you to resist those temptations. You know you want to get better. You know you have to get better. But in the midst of it all, how much do you disclose to your kids? How vulnerable and honest should you be? I think it depends on your kid, truly. I think it depends on what if you think your child would really be able to um, appreciate that. I think that vulnerability, we... I, I. has a lot of value, you know, in life, but you have to also understand, is my child ready for me to see Mm -hmm. me in this way? I think if your child is a teenager and teenagers are very wise these days, I think that you could probably um, share your mistakes, but rather than just share the mistakes and have it end there, really talk about how you are, like show your grit, you know, show Mm -hmm. how, okay, well, I made this mistake, but you know what, here's how I'm working towards a better place. And I wanted to bring you along and share this with you because it may mean that, like, I'm not going to be able to, you know, um, go, we may not be able to go out on so many trips this summer or we may not be able to do X, Y, and Z like we used to. But this is the goal that we've set for ourselves because, you know, we had a bit of a rough start with 
student loans or credit card debt or whatever it may be. You know, again, it just depends on like, I guess, your children's maturity and age level. And my parents level with me a lot growing up. Um, I think that was partly because my mother and I had such a small age gap (laughs) that it didn't really feel like a mother and a daughter. It was like two friends or two sisters. Mm. And she exposed me to everything. I mean, I there wasn't much she didn't. And even to this day, we're like, Mom, TMI. Stop <laughs> telling me everything that's going on in your life. <laughs> that's but awesome, though. <laughs> it's good. It's like, you know, it's kind of what parents hope from from hope for yeah. from their kids. Yeah. You know, yeah. but we got it from our mom. Yeah. Um, but that's because we're really close. And But at the same time, I think it allowed us to grow up faster and be more prepared for the real world because she wasn't, she wasn't the kind of mom that was like baking cookies um, on our way home from school and like, you know, shielding us from the realities of life. Life is hard sometimes. And, you know, we want to protect our kids, but you don't want to make them so blinded that when, you know, you want to, you want to give them enough where they feel like they can handle it. And the thing, you know, here's the good news. I want to tell parents this, that for children who are, let's say, in the high school years, especially, or even middle school going into high school, they pick up on a lot of subtleties. And they're what's really special about the, about kids is that, especially if, you know, they feel your love, is that they want to they want to help. They want to find ways to support you. So um, I wrote a lot of articles during the recession for Seventeen magazine, and that readership is. Not 17, they're actually 12 and 13 <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> and you can imagine during the recession, a lot of parents were losing their jobs. They were getting into foreclosure. Homes were being foreclosed. People were lo- losing their investments. And so money was really tight. Yeah. And suddenly, kids' entire lives were flipped upside down. And parents were afraid to really tell them what was going on. And the truth is, your kids will find out and they will under, they will like figure it out and better you tell them the truth before they kind of imagine what's going on in their own head and make it worse The other Mm. and make it worse. And so when they come to you with questions, don't, you know, tell them it's not their business or don't worry, but more ask why they're asking the question. Mm. You want to understand where the question's coming from. Is it rooted in fear? Is it just rooted in curiosity? Is it rooted in confusion? Get to that first before you have to worry about answering the question of like, um, you know, are we going to make rent this month? Um, But I think, but also kids can help, you know, they can help with, um, if you have an old enough, you know, daughter or son who's like, say 14, 15, can they babysit their younger sibling while you're out? you know, um, on an interview in the summertime. And so can they be more conscientious of electricity around the house, turning off their devices, turning off the lights, you know, little things like that, like giving them responsibilities. They can feel more invested in the well-being of the family, especially at that age. I think um, they they do thrive at that. So let's, uh, let's make them involved. Now, speaking of that babysitting siblings, how do you feel about allowances, paying them for chores like babysitting their brother or sister or cleaning up around the house? I think that if it's a job that is not necessarily something that it should be expected of someone who is a part of the household Mm. can be rewarded with money. But that's just the first half of the 
um, of the of the allowance. The second part of it is really teaching your kids what to do with the money. So it's not just like so. There's 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 a few steps to an allowance that I like. The first is assigning jobs, and rather than assigning them, have your kids identify problems around the house that they'd like to fix. Ah, oh. because what does that teach them? It teaches them entrepreneurship, right? Like coming up with ideas and solutions and strategies and how they can service the family by cleaning the yard, fixing mom's office, um, organizing the kitchen pantry, watching a sibling uh, when it's not normally, you know, when it's normally their night to go out or something like that. And what would they charge for it? So, okay, that's a great plan. How much do you want to make? And then they can negotiate their salary. So you're teaching them a lot of these great, great tenets of financial independence. And then once they earn the money, you know, you're, they're still at the bank of mom and dad. So we need to deposit that money. We need to maybe make some decisions with it. Some of that they can spend, but some of it maybe you want to invest or donate or save for a goal. And so learning that there are also multiple ways to use money as part of the um, education of an allowance is important too. And my friend Susan Beecham is the founder of Money Savvy Generation. And she's far more versed in kids and money than I ever will be, but she's got this incredible award-winning company that's all about financial um, empowerment and literacy and toys and games for kids. And one thing that kind of her, her launching product was this money savvy pig, this award-winning pig. And it has four slots, save, spend, donate, invest. So at a young age from five years old, a child can learn that money has multiple advantages. It's not just for buying stuff. Oh, I love and, that. Um, What's the name of her company again? It's called Money Savvy Generation, and the pig is called Money Savvy Pig. Oh, awesome. Okay. Now, what do you feel about, do you have the same theory in mindset when it comes to paying for good grades, or do you say no, never? No, I don't like to, I don't think that paying for good grades, um, I I feel, I feel like your, your job, is all, it, it should be understood that you need to do well in school. You need to try your hardest in school. Okay. I think that there could be rewards, like you know, if you um, if you're struggling in math and you went from a C to a B, then you know we're gonna we'd love to like I don't know take you out to dinner or something and celebrate your progress. But I don't think like a, a, a dollar for every A is because then I think. Um, what happens is, at least what would happen to me as a kid, if that ever was my my merit for, for grades, good grades, was that I would just try to game the system. Like, I just want to get the A. I would I would be less interested in learning, and I'd be more interested in how to get the A. Which, that might be a lesson in itself, how to game the system. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a good, it's not a bad thing to learn in, in general, but I think, like, I want, I wish that I had, I was very competitive and probably still am. I'm, I'm a competitive person by nature. And so school was something that I did well in because it was like there was a way to compete. There was a, like there was a way to get an A. It meant studying. It meant doing your homework. It meant doing, the, you know, the extra credit stuff. But sometimes you just were not good at that subject. And so no matter how much you tried, you weren't going to get the A. Oh, okay. And I, I felt like I missed the whole point then of the subject, you know, like I wasn't, I didn't allow myself to even just even enjoy the subject, even because I wasn't getting the A, you know? Okay. And I think that that's partly because I was trying to just 
get the A. Yeah. Okay. So then I will not tell you that I pay my kids for good grades. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> gosh, I really was hoping you were going to be on my side. <laughs> you can get another thing. Give them ice cream. Oh, yeah. My 14 year old will be like, ice cream? No. <laughs> Maybe, you know, well, for every A, it goes into the bank account for your college. Okay, that is the perfect transition because I wanted to talk to you about the 529 college savings plan. And now I've been saving for them, but I just recently started saving in the form of the 529 plan because I think my fear is what a lot of parents fear. What if they don't go to college? Yeah, they'll what, go to college. How do you, okay. Because there's a lot. <laughs> um, most kids will go. I think, like, it's like, will we get Social Security? If you've been paying into Social Security, you're going to go. I mean, it's true. There's more of a an like a societal acceptance, I think, now for kids not to, like, you know, smart, ambitious kids to be like, you know what? I'm going to start a business or I'm going to take a yeah. year Yeah, you hear more it. and more of those stories yeah. that I'm like, ah, oh, crap. What if I have a pile of money and I don't know what to do with it? Well, here's the thing. The 529 is is designed for kids who want to go to college, but it's also designed for anyone who wants to be an advanced learner. So while you might be saving away for your kids and what they want, your daughter doesn't want to go to college or maybe not right away, um, you can change the beneficiary of that account to, say, your son. Maybe you want to go back to school. There's There are ways to... Still, you know, leverage the, the 529. And you know what? If you don't go to college, you can take the money out. You just pay the taxes. Okay. And you can pass it down to grandkids, though, too, can't you? Yes. Okay. I believe it's immediate family and grandkids. Now, how do you feel about, because college debt, gosh, that's the biggest burden now. That's what everybody's talking about. So you want to try, if you can, as a parent, to alleviate some of that money stress, but do you feel like kids should have some skin in the game? Do you think that you should, yeah. as a parent, set a, a, like, okay, at this point, this is the goal amount that I'm going to give you, and then the rest of it you take care of, or what do you think? I think, yeah, I think that to the extent where you can involve your kids financially is a healthy practice. I think that um, it teaches kids a lot of things. It teaches them that nothing is free in life, that something as important as an education that they're getting that's going to help really set the foundation for their life is something that they should be really interested in and invested in and care about, that they're not just like falling asleep in class and not showing up to class because it's not their money. Um, what I've seen parents do is say, you know what, if you want to study abroad, if you want to join the fraternity, if you want to... Um, stay an extra year because you want to get another degree, that's on you. Mm. Um, another another set of parents would say the first three years were paying, the last year is on you. So you're preparing the kid for years to say, you know, the last trimester or that last semester is uh, your responsibility. A, a woman just wrote into me who's a listener of the podcast and she's like, I'm about to graduate or this is my last semester and it's my responsibility to pay for it. My parents and I've had this deal and this is going to be my responsibility. And so I have some money saved up because I knew this was coming. 
So, see, she spent four years working uh, here and there okay. and putting together, you know, the $10,000 that she needed for the semester. Farnoosh, I could really eat up all your time, but I know you are so super busy and you're a mama of two beautiful kids, so I will let you go. But thank you. I really appreciate your wealth of knowledge. I mean, you were so insightful. It was awesome. Thank you, Sandy. I really appreciate the opportunity. And anytime, happy to come back. Farnoosh Tarabi. Farnoosh.tv, her podcast called So Money, and you can follow her on Instagram, Farnoosh Tarabi. Next week, the real conversation about being a working mom, how to juggle it all and still be competitive in the workplace. That is a struggle for a lot of us, isn't it? All right. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much for subscribing and spreading the word about the Seven Figures podcast. I'll talk to you next week.